Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week's very, very exciting for me, because after years of trying to get um, Rob to read a Repairman Jack book, I finally swindled him into it, um, as you might have heard at the end of our last episode. That's right. Uh, it, it's weird. It's one of those weird situations where uh, it's part of a series, and so it's always been difficult to decide whether it's worthwhile or whether it's going to be you know, weird or like strange to do a, a review of a book that's midway through a series, but there's some special circumstances with this book that made it kind of actually a really cool experiment. Cool. So we'll talk a little bit about that um, throughout our review, I think. First, a little bit about uh, F. Paul Wilson. Before I get into this, let me just say that if, uh, if there's anybody that hasn't read Rob's article over at Manarchy Mag about author bios, this would be a good time to go do so, so you understand what I'm talking about. I had to go to like four different websites to try to get an author bio that was less than like a chapter in, in this book. And finally, I went to Wikipedia and just copied the first paragraph. So if it leaves off or doesn't make, like, doesn't make sense, this was all I could take of finding an author bio. So keep that in mind. Francis Paul Wilson was born May 17th, 1946 in Jersey City, New Jersey. He's an American author primarily in the science fiction and horror genres. His debut novel was Healer in 1976. Wilson is also a part-time practicing family physician. He made his first sales in 1970 to Analog while still in medical school, graduating in 1973, and continued to write science fiction throughout the 70s. In 1981, he ventured into the horror genre with the international bestseller The Keep and helped define the field throughout the rest of the decade. It does, that does feel a little bit Wikipedia-ish. Yeah, um, the the one on uh, the one on Amazon is about seven times that long. Good lord, man! That's yeah. yeah. Someone needs to read my article. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so, I am going to read you the synopsis for uh, Cold City. This is where we pull this from. Amazon. Amazon, as always. Uh, and here we go. The first of three Repairman Jack prequels revealing the past of one of the most popular characters in contemporary dark fantasy, a self-styled fix-it man who is no stranger to the macabre or supernatural hired by victimized people who have no one else to turn to. We join Jack a few months after his arrival in New York City. He doesn't own a gun yet, though he's already connected with Abe. Soon, he'll meet Julio and the Mikulski brothers. He runs afoul of some Dominicans, winds up at the east side Marriott the night... Mir Kahane is shot, gets on the bad side of some Arabs, starts a hot affair, and disrupts the smuggling of preteen sex slaves. And that's just book one. It's a pretty good summation there, I think, of what goes on. Um, hey, is Mir Kahane an actual person? Uh, uh, <laughs> I hope you can't hear me typing. <laughs> yes, Mir Kahane is a real person. I didn't know that. I do know that F. Paul Wilson throughout the Repairman Jack books has tied in, and I'm sure might come up a little bit in our review, some real-life events into his stories, but I uh, did not know that one. All right. So I'm not having kept up on my uh, Jewish rabbi assassination news. He is like uh, was an American-Israeli rabbi and ultranationalist writer and political figure who was assassinated in November of 1990 in Brooklyn. Perfect segue into uh, this book takes place in 1990 in uh, New York City. In New York City, so uh, a little bit. You know, we talked a little bit about the series and, and and blah blah blah. So to give 
people a quick idea if they don't know. Uh, Repairman Jack series came to an end um, earlier this year, I think, after you know, 12, 13 um, books that I very much enjoyed. Those books all took place over a, a pretty short period of time, 18 months, two years maybe. And even those books are part of a kind of bigger world that F. Paul Wilson has has created. So what he did here was he took a step back to Jack's arrival in New York. So for longtime fans, we already know how the story ends. But this is kind of how the story begins, at least in New York. All right. And before we go on, I want to touch a little bit more on the uh, synopsis and about the unique perspectives that Livius and I both have for this. Um, first of all, Livius, you've read everything, right? Every Repairman um, Jack book? Almost. Almost everything, but the mm-hmm. majority of it. Yes. I have never read anything Repairman Jack ever. And much like Livius typically does, I did not read the synopsis of the book before I started actually reading the book. So um, I went in as uninformed as was humanly possible into this book. And the synopsis, I'm kind of glad I didn't read it because, like, it, it's not a synopsis for a first-time reader. It's a synopsis for someone who's been through a lot of the series, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, let me clarify. Um, F. Paul Wilson did a a youth repairman Jack series, which is Jack when he was 14 that ties in all of this. That was over the last few years. I've only read the first of those three. But yeah, other than that, everything from here going forward, I'm very, very familiar with the repairman Jack mythology. Yeah, but uh, so so... Parts of the synopsis where he says, you know, um, he's already connected with Abe. If I read that, I wouldn't know what that meant, you know? Uh, That's very true. So I went into this book as just fully naive as possible. And uh, I think it definitely, Livius and I are probably going to have some different perspectives and opinions about how the book, uh, how the book felt. Absolutely. One of the reasons that I, I brought this to the table was, A, as I mentioned, just because I wanted to read it and this would uh, would kill two birds with one stone. But B, F. Paul Wilson himself said this was a good jumping off point for someone who's never read Repairman Jack. So I think that, you know, that's the perspective that Rob's going in with. And I'm, you know, as a seasoned a seasoned fan, you know, yeah, there are definitely things in this book that meant more to me than uh, things that Rob probably didn't get even after reading. Yep. So... Yeah, a little bit of a sidetrack, but um, the story itself, uh, I'm going to let you, you kind of got started on it, but uh, uh, I'll let you do the majority of the explanation and I'll kind of pipe in because you know it way better than I do. Sure. Sure. Jack, um, who will only refer to him as Jack because that's really the only name we have for him throughout the course of uh, the majority of the series, um, moves to New York after an incident in his hometown and he's decided that he uh, no longer wants to, to... live on paper so to speak so he's currently living under assumed identity he doesn't have a social security number he doesn't pay taxes and he's decided he doesn't want to be part of uh now oh, there's a term for it what's the term i'm looking for rob kind of like the he's off the grid for sure he's he's off the grid exactly so uh we meet up with him after a few months in new york and uh what what kicks this off is uh he he loses his job due to an altercation he has uh with some of his co-workers yeah, that's the jumping off point. And then um, he essentially gets his start down a path because he goes and visits someone who's friends of his family, right? Am I right about that? He visits Abe? Mm, yeah, not friends of the family, but yeah, someone he knows from his someone past. Someone he knows from his past. Mm-hmm. And because uh, he needs... He, 
Yeah, the altercation left him in a position where he felt like he needed to defend himself, so he needs to go get a gun. So he goes to see the person he knows, essentially, uh, to see if he can get some help with that. And that kind of sets him along a path of, of finding uh, some work um, smuggling as a driver for a smuggling ring. Correct. So that, that kicks off the, the story into a, a series of, of different events in his life that include all of the people that, that were mentioned. Julio, who is a uh, partial bar owner. Um, who is having some trouble with the mob, the Mikulski brothers who are uh, vigilantes, I guess is probably the right way to say it, mm-hmm. um, who, who don't, um, who can't uh, abide the, uh, the sex trafficking of, of preteens, as it says in the, uh, in the synopsis, and, and Abe, who is a consistent character throughout all of the Repairman Jack books. Yeah, and so essentially it's just... Um kind of a tapestry of like the different things of his life weaving in and out between each other. So um, he, he's doing this smuggling work and that leads him into uh, running afoul of these other people. And, and, and that's kind of how it goes. Like his life is just a, a continuous mix of him becoming involved with situations where he's the one who seems like he's the one that has the, the know-how or the luck maybe in sometimes just to be able to get, get through it. Kind of. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that. I'm going to take an aside from the story for a little bit. Did you find anything to feel while you're reading this too coincidental? Yeah, and actually they did even like at one point uh, specifically point that out. And be- and at the- and before the point in the book where someone specifically says how lucky the series of circumstances was, I hadn't really thought about it. But after that, it was much more pronounced in my mind that that there did seem to be a chain of situations that happened one after another that was that was maybe a little too coincidental i I don't know how to how to talk about this on the show i mean i'm I'm gonna assume that you know people are are, you know gonna pick this up as first time i don't know how much of that there is there is i think a lot of you know i think that repairman jack fans will definitely read this um, this is just the beginning of, of what Jack's life is. And at one point, somebody who's a, just say a very credible source of information tells Jack that there are no more coincidences in his life. So I was kind of wondering how someone who hadn't read it, like I see these coincidences happening and I know why they're happening, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm informed enough to know that there are no coincidences in his life. So regardless of how, you know, I don't want to say silly, but no matter what turn of events happens, I know there's a reason for it, and it doesn't seem far-fetched when you're familiar with the rest of the story, and that's kind of why I wanted to get your take on if there's if you felt that was a little heavy-handed in the in the book. No, that's the thing. Like, um, had there not been some overt uh, mention of it, I would have just kind of gone along for the ride because it didn't and like nothing. It didn't seem like things were going his way or whatever to an unnatural extent or not going his way. It seemed like it was all within the realm of, of, of possibility. So it didn't really strike me. The other thing. All right. So <laughs> looking back at uh, the synopsis, the word supernatural shows up in there. And had I read that and then read the book, I'd be like, where's the supernatural? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that 
and I understood why. That's one thing I felt was kind of missing from the book was the supernatural touch in, in Jack's life, which is something that you become very, very accustomed to over the course of 12 books or so. Um, so yeah, from a synopsis standpoint, I think I didn't, I think because I knew the bigger story, I didn't call it out on that. I'm glad you did. Yeah, don't expect anything supernatural in this book. So the, the things that may happen that are supernatural are not something you'd pick up on as a first-time reader. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the things that um, I feel like you have to manage your expectations about the book overall. Um, maybe a way less if you've, you've read the series because you, your expectations have been set over you know, several books and everything. But um, first of all, the synopsis goes into more. It's more of like a, hey, you know, long-time readers, here's where we're at. Um, it doesn't help the new reader, like a new reader. So that's one thing I would, I would point out. The other thing is, um, uh, they, they do mention right off in the synopsis. It's part of it's the, or no, yeah, it's just book one of three basically. Um, so you know that, that there's more coming in this, if this isn't just a standalone book, but, um, having expectations about what you're going to get from this book, um, it's good to know that this story doesn't end at the end of this book, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, I agree. And one of the things Rob and I talked a little bit about this off the air, and I wasn't going to say anything until a little later, is that it ends rather abruptly in, in kind of like a mid-story fashion. So typically in, in series that I've read, at least the majority of them, you have kind of a big overarching story. Dexter was the example I used with Rob. I mean, I only read the first one, but he's kind of familiar with, with the rest of them. And, you know, Dexter's a serial killer and obviously has a big story where he's hiding from, I'm assuming, you know, in the books from his sister and, and from other people and stuff. And then, but every novel has its own smaller story that I'm assuming gets pretty much wrapped up, or at least most of those stories get wrapped up by the end of the book. Was that is that a fair way to say that? Yeah, the conflict is... is um there's like a there's an overall story but the conflict is kind of wrapped up per book like the conflict is is different in each book i guess mm -hmm. this book um not the case at all so this is almost like um if you were reading a book that has three parts where they're listed you know part one part two and part three i, I get the feeling that none of the resolution is going to come until the end of the third book yeah it's like a first act Mm -hmm. exactly yeah, that's that's exactly what i was going to say and you said parts and i was like oh we're thinking the same yep. thing yeah so i think that and uh, wilson did this a little later in the repairman jack books but he, he had kind of said hey these are like the last whatever it was three or four and they're gonna pick up right where the last one left off so as a longtime fan you didn't mind so much because you're reading for jack and abe and julio and the story and you know and everything that's going on as a first time reader reading this um it's really got to grab you for you to come back to book two like yeah. I, I'm sold. I'm going to read the other two, no matter what, you know, but my view on the series is, is very, very different from somebody who's picking this up as, as a first time book. Mm -hmm. Uh, you want to do more story or, I mean, we covered a lot of the, the very basics of it. Um, yeah. I mean, for longtime listeners, I mean, it's kind of going to be a little bit of a rehash of, of what, um, when I say listeners, I mean, readers of the story and listeners of the show, everyone can pay attention, I guess. <laughs> um, it was very exciting, um, to, to hear, you know, about, jack walking into the bar that would become julio's later on you know it's uh you know abe is is a constant throughout the series and it's great to see his what apparently is his second interaction with abe but his first one in new york because abe is a 
a great character for the Repairman Jack series because that's where Jack bounces. You know, you kind of get some story from him talking to Abe and he kind of works some things out. So it's kind of like the home base for him. So it's just really comforting and nice for a longtime fan to go back and see him meet Julio and Abe and even the Mikulski brothers who don't show up quite as often as the other two do. But um, yeah, it's a series of here's where everything started with these people, you know, with some story mixed in, including um, The Order, which becomes very, very big in the Repairman Jack mythos later on. I will say, though, that all of that being said, um, it's a solid story, um, even though it doesn't wrap up tightly or neatly at the end. Um, dude knows how to put a story together. Well structured, plenty of uh, character development, the interaction, the, the way that the stories kind of weave into each other very well developed oh i'm glad to hear you say that i was kind of worried about how how you would take it and i think that i think that my worry of how you would see it as a first-time reader almost took away a little bit from me reading this because <laughs> normally i would have well i would have just been reading this laying in bed or, or whatever you know and, and not thinking about what someone else's opinion of it is but every time i came across something for example and i don't really think i'm spoiling anything there's um there's quite a few mentions of dogs in the book. And those dogs are always very key to something that changes Jack's direction. And again, it may not have been a big deal, but I don't know if you remember, there's, um, what is the scene? He goes home, he takes a nap, and a dog is barking outside his door. Yeah. And he gets up and he goes and there's no dog there, but he then decides to go out and get a drink or whatever, and it changes the cord, the direction. Right, right. Yeah. There are no coincidences. So the first time a Repairman Jack fan hears the word, there's a dog, that means something to you. Oh, right on. Cool. You know, so there are things that, like I said, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm, and, and I don't know, I notice the dog every single time because I, you know, I knew what it meant. Because you're I, you trained know, to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Pavlov's. Wilson's dogs um <laughs> the uh the thing there is I almost wondered like if someone was just gonna be like what's with all these stupid dogs you know and that's kind of like I was wondering but hence my question to you earlier about did you feel that there was anything too coincidental or weird yeah I mean the good news is that um overall nothing felt like it didn't make sense mm-hmm. or that it was um unnecessary or overdone or anything like that. It felt like a well put together story. So, as a as a complete outsider, the only thing I did do though, um, knowing that there was uh, an entire series of, of like a long series of books, when I was reading the book, I was thinking, I wonder if this character sticks around a lot. I kept thinking that, mm-hmm. and and that's fair. That's I can see where yeah, and and he did. It's some of this so much felt like an homage to like the longtime characters in a way which mm-hmm. again i thought was very cool like candy uh, for the readers yep absolutely and there were there were some really good gems and treats in there so um did you have some here's what i found myself doing after reading and I'm, i pulled up the wikipedia page i was really um a little bit way off i guess there are probably about 20 repairman jack books i'm just looking at a list of all the repairman jack stuff some of them are short stories that i've read some of them are yeah obviously most of them are full novels um, there's 23 entries for Repairman Jack in the uh, thing. So um, I lost my train of thought, but um, <laughs> what I was, yeah, what I was thinking of uh, what I was going to say about that. But yeah, so there's there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but I think I fell into the habit of not really marking any quotes. Yeah, because I think after reading all those, it was just it was 
I just wasn't thinking about it from a review standpoint. I was more thinking about it how what you were going to think about it than I was <laughs> putting together a review of it, which is kind of weird because that's normally what you know how I read the book. So yeah, I actually have about thirteen highlighted parts. No, they're not all quotes. There's some stuff that I just wanted to like. One thing I'll say is, and it's kind of interesting because um, now we're in 2012, so this takes place 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Even though 1990 seems so fresh to me, it's like uh, it's kind of a it's it's dated. It's a period piece in a way. So the the references to pop culture and the way they talked about stuff like computers is just so precious mm-hmm. that it was really fun to fun to read part those parts like. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, lots of pop culture references, like uh, there's a Paul Simon uh, song, because so, someone said something about me and Julio, and then the other, then someone says something about down down by the schoolyard, and mm-hmm. then the person didn't catch the reference. So there's stuff like that. There's Bob Dylan references. Um, there's a lot of that stuff in there. So that was kind of fun for me. Um, and then <laughs> picking up used books in a used bookstore and the. The, the books that they picked up were uh, Robert Ludlum's The Icarus Agenda. And then he referred to was just like, I think he found a Stephen King novel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, uh, it is interesting. I actually read a little, it was maybe a blog post the other day that he had put together saying that the hardest thing for him to, to put in that book and keep it authentic was the locations in New York. Cause it was really easy to look up what the top songs were, what the top movies yeah. were. There's a whole conversation that, uh, that Jack has with a, with a young lady about, you know, what recent movie she liked. And, uh, it, the interesting thing is, and he gave this out as a tip to other authors is he went to YouTube and somehow stumbled across a video of someone doing slowly driving through times square. So he looked up other YouTube videos and that's how he got his, frame of reference for what businesses were in Times Square at the time. Hey, that's actually a really good idea. Kind of interesting, yeah. So um, all of his books, the first of the Young Repairman Jack series that I read, Secret Histories, was like that too. Um, Jack is only a couple years older than I am. Um, So he's talking about like the Atari games he's playing when he's 14. Like that was all all the stuff I grew up with. So it's nice to have Jack be right about my age because I kind of understand all those references and live through them myself. You want to know what one thing that was kind of a treat for me too, talking about this being kind of dated. Mm-hmm. Um, that part where he bought the the books and they had no front covers, and so mm-hmm. they were pirated books. <laughs> so essentially, like I guess back, and this is something that I'm not, I don't have firsthand knowledge of, but um, there was there was a time, I guess 1990 included, where if you bought a book like a paperback and it didn't have the front cover. Um, that would they basically were being resold after the bookseller already got reimbursed. So like basically like anything you didn't sell, um, instead of sending it back and paying for shipping, they would just write it off and they get tossed out. They're supposed to, you know, that type of thing. I knew someone that worked for a, for a book and magazine distributor, the kind of place that supplies like, you know, like a Jewel Osco or, right. you know, Walgreens. And that's what they would do is they would send the covers back and that's how they would get credit. Yep. So, so they, they yeah. Just, so basically it was double dipping in a way. So, um, <laughs> and the funny thing is he has like a moment of guilt about the, this is like the, this is a very like character building moment in the book in a way, because mm-hmm. he buys these used books and then he reads the, there's a warning that says, if you purchase this book without a cover, you should be aware that this book is stolen property. It was reported as unsold and destroyed to the publisher and neither the author nor the publisher has received any payment for this stripped book. 
Um, and he has a moment of guilt about that, which is like, it's so insignificant, but he still felt bad about it. Well, it's also funny too, because I never really thought about book piracy pre internet yeah. <laughs> but but i think yeah that's that, that the, the novel thing taking yeah. a shot yeah <laughs> not just at book pirates of today but of the analog book pirates of you know 30 years ago yeah so. that's what made me love it so much is like mm-hmm. we we think that you know and and every generation is guilty of thinking that we're the first people that experience an issue or a problem and mm-hmm. i mean it's something that just as long as there's been a product people have been finding a way to steal it can I can I admit something here? Can I admit, when when I was I don't know twelve or so, there was a little convenience store down the street from me. They used to sell bagged comic books without covers, mm. and you would get like two for like a dollar. And I used to buy those up like crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize then. I didn't know why they didn't have covers. Honestly, I, I mean, I think I remember thinking like, oh, these were all like damaged or something. Like it never occurred to me because I was a kid, you know that. That's what it was, but I vaguely, I, I'm sure, not vaguely, vividly remember having comic books all over my room that had no covers because I get two basically for less than the cost of one. Can I just tell you how relieved I am that you didn't say like nudie magazines? I was like, where is this going? Do you think, do you, think you get those two without covers? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd have to imagine that it works under the same principles as any other like print product, right? You're probably right. I don't know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, let's get back on track here. Uh, I do have a couple of quotes, though. Please, please go ahead with quotes. So there's a character that um, hired Jack to um, drive uh, shipments of cigarettes. That was kind of his uh, smuggling uh, driver kind of job that he had. And uh, his boss, whose last name was Bertel, who I don't know if he has any kind of significance after this book or not. Um, Livius. Is it bad? Is that if too I spoiler? Say, I honestly, don't remember. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but anyway, they have this. Uh, it's it's kind of a character building building moment because they witness someone um, uh, beating, abusing their their girlfriend or whatever, and eventually someone's you know, Jack wants to step in, but the dude's like, you don't get into domestic, you know, the whole thing, and then he eventually the dude steps in and just beats the hell out of the dude. And they have this quick moment where. Uh, Jack says guys shouldn't hit a woman and Bertel says real men don't guys do it all the time and I was like that's a pretty cool line so a little bit about the Mikulski brothers is a quick thing where uh, uh, Jack drops off one of the brothers um, in this part of the New York and, and kind of witnesses him go about um, kind of looking at the routines of of a like a, a guy who's a sex trader, you know, like a pimp or, you know, that type of person. He's basically hunting this guy who takes advantage of of, you know, kids and sells them for sex and that type of stuff. And and the the, the quick little line at the end of this chapter was no hint that he was a predator hunting other predators. So I thought that was pretty cool. Can I, while you're looking for your for your next quote, can I say that I do believe there's that scene where where uh Jack's involved in uh, sexual relations with uh, with a young lady. Mm-hmm. That that kind of took me back a little bit. I don't think there's been any kind of like hardcore sex scenes in, in any of the other Repairman Jack books. Oh, really? Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit when I read it. It was uh, a little Fifty Shades, little Fifty Shades ish. You know, it kind of was. So I don't know, maybe uh, maybe uh, Paul Wilson's looking to, to spice it up a little bit. A quick quote that I like, never trust a man 
who wouldn't have a beer with you, Jack. Mm-hmm. But Livia, so have you had a beer with me? Uh, I believe we have had a couple of beers. All right, we're good then. Yeah. Ah, uh, <laughs> who is this? He's talking to Abe. Jack's talking to Abe, and they're talking about what's going on in the world and stuff. And Abe says, uh, uh, "Only news I watch and believe none of it." And Jack says, "Then why watch?" And Abe says, "How else should I know what not to believe?" That Abe, I really like the way that he spoke and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a pretty cool character. Yeah, Abe is is like I said, a fixture, and and I think a very important one if you really analyze story and and where some of this stuff comes from. But yeah, Abe's very no-nonsense, and he's the... He's like the... the the divining rod. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, like he just tells it like it is, and and a lot of times it's... uh, It helps Jack get his head straight. Two other things that I want to mention really quick that aren't quotes, but caught my attention. First of all, he uses the word circumlocution in this in the book to talk about how people are speaking in things in a roundabout way so i was like hey right on for using that word and then one other thing and this is just the kind of nerd like you get like kind of nerdy about stuff at one point um completely irrelevant very minor detail in the book but he does refer to someone as mrs clevenger mm-hmm. and i was like oh clevenger that's awesome yeah. No, no, no relation. That's it. No, probably no relation. Probably no relation. You don't know. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to ask Mr. Clevenger next time we talk to him. Did you notice it's his birthday today? I did. I did. Was it today? Yesterday. I think it was, it was yesterday. yesterday. I'm sorry. It was yesterday. Yeah. Some little Facebook message. That's right. That's how we celebrate nowadays. That is how we celebrate. Do you know that you know? Five six years ago, I'd be lucky to get like four happy birthdays. But Facebook, <laughs> man, you feel like like you're a celebrity on your <laughs> yeah. birthday. Like everyone in the world knows it's your birthday. Yeah. So. Yep. I, I did some um, some serious research on this. Mm-hmm. On average, about twenty percent of your friends list will say happy birthday on your birthday on Facebook. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Do the math. I want to see if someone can can do the math and see if that that works out. Typically, that's what I've seen. I just I will, have shitty friends, maybe. I will have to look at that. You know what's funny, though, is that, and I think I could safely say this because probably some of these people on on this particular list don't listen to the show. I get happy birthday wishes from people and be like, wow, I haven't even seen this damn in forever because I had their feed like, you know, two years ago. Oh, right on. So it's a nice little surprise reminder of some of the people I'm friends with on Facebook that I've I've hidden. Did, Did I tell you when I hid most of the people on Facebook? No. Okay. Uh, I, I do it occasionally. Finally, I'll just be fed up with, with you know with somebody's whatever they're they're posting. But when people were putting that thing on there about if you put po- Facebook is going to start charging, yeah. But if you post this in your profile, Facebook won't charge you. Like there's some kind of crazy out that Facebook is giving you that if you tell people yeah. that they don't have to pay, and they do this step they want, which made absolutely no sense. Yeah, I probably hit like 40 people at that point. Yeah. <sighs> That's the worst part, yeah. I agree. That's just messed but, up. But here's where that worked out really well. Recently, when people started posting that, you know, everything I post on Facebook is copyrighted by me, mm-hmm. I saw one person post that. <laughs> because I had already <laughs> hidden the people that were likely to do that. One person posted that. Brilliant. In my in my Facebook And account. now now you hid them, right? You know what? I didn't because they don't post a lot, mm. and I kind of felt bad for her. I did send her the link to the Snopes article on it, though. <laughs> uh, you want to do wrap-up? Yeah, let's let's wrap some stuff up. 
You go ahead. You go first. All right. So, again, I just want to make sure everybody knows that my perspective of this book was going in as as naive as possible about Jack, the Repairman Jack series, the characters in the books, all that stuff. Uh, that being said, um, I want to make sure that everybody knows it's very useful to know that this is one of three books in a trilogy and that there is no tidy ending. Um, that took me, caught me a little off guard. I got to probably 80, 85% and I was like, there's no way all this stuff is going to be resolved by the end of the book. Um, but knowing that I was fine with it, it didn't really take away from the overall, um, you know, feel of having read a book. I felt like I read a book. I didn't feel like, you know, I just fell off the side of a cliff or anything. Uh, as far as the actual story goes, I thought it was well written. Um, there probably is a lot of stuff, like Livia said, that, you know, makes more sense to someone who's read the entire series or read even probably more than just nothing. Uh, but it didn't feel like I was clueless about anything. It still read like a like a complete story and nothing seemed extraneous or unexplained or anything like that. So overall, I kind of bounced back and forth. And I think I'm going to end up doing kind of what we did with Dam. Uh, <clears throat> I just lost my voice like I'm 13. Uh, I think I'm going to do kind of what we did with Damned, where if I had to judge this book alone, I would give it a lower rating, but knowing that it's part of a greater uh, story arc over a three-book series, um, I'm going to give it three stars because I liked it. Um, had it been just this one book, obviously there's that weird downfall at the end where you don't get an ending. I probably would have rated it lower, but knowing it's part of a series, I'm going to go three stars. I was really, really worried you were going to hate this book. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, like I said, I think it took away from some of my enjoyment as I was reading through the book. So, um, you know, what is there to say about it? It's, it I love, love Repairman Jack. Read um, all of the actual Repairman Jack books. I will go back and read the, the young Repairman Jack ones, and I will read these as well um, as they come out. So um, it was a great, I want to say treat. Um, you know, I haven't kept up with what F. Paul Wilson was doing. I knew that Night World was the end of the Repairman Jack story at that point, up until I saw this start popping up, you know, on Facebook and on other places online. I didn't even know there was going to be another Repairman Jack book, so it was a very pleasant surprise um, for me. As a longtime fan, it's great to go back and, and kind of see where these characters came from originally, uh, and it does it's it's value added to what I think is a really really great you know, overarching story or mythos of Repairman Jack and, and what he deals with in the adversary cycle. Um, I, I was a little, I don't want to, disappointed isn't the right word. I would have liked to have seen some of the stories wrapped up. I do still think that I like my books to be, you know, the, the smaller stories wrapped up and then go into the next one. It's perfectly fine to have some carryover. Um, this is 100% carryover. It's one act of three. I think Rob put it best when he said it's like acts in a play, you know. So um, I think that's probably the only thing that's that's going to deduct from uh, from any of the points that I would give this book is that I would have liked to have seen a little bit of, of closure before we moved on to the second book in this trilogy. So um, what can I say? I love Repairman Jack. Four, four stars. There it is. Boom. Four stars. Four stars. All right. Um, we got some other stuff to talk about, right? Of course we do. But you know, we've talked enough. You know who we should give some time to talk? Oh, I can't wait to. Um, I love Skip Papersley, and I love book news. That's all I'm going to say. Here he is with uh, the latest 
we you missed him when we interviewed Matthew McBride. You probably cried yourself to sleep that night, but uh, he's back. So here's uh, Skip Papersley with book news. This is book news. I'm Skip Papersley. Now for the news. Twitter fiction is becoming more and more popular. The recent Twitter fiction festival selected 29 special Twitter stories to share at the festival. The popularity of this festival has led to weirdo fringe writers having to think up new ridiculous ways to tell their stories. Jennifer Egan wrote a story in PowerPoint. Alex Epstein wrote a book in Facebook Photos. And Bennett Sims' White Dialogues is a story that's a film criticism that's a fiction that's a story that's a criticism that's a film that's a story. In line with these weird writers, the book news team has compiled some Twitter fiction of their own. Gillian Flynn stalks her prey quietly from 8th place. She waits for the time to strike at them. Don't go, girl. Don't. Make them gone. Hi, at Quiddity of Will Self. This is a callback to last episode. Is your cock still a ghost? Try these free penis enlarging pills. They work. Finally, these are some pictures of food I ate and places I've been. And now the New York Times bestsellers in fiction recap. Number five is John Grisham's book about an expert noisemaker, The Racketeer. The Last Man by Vince Flynn is almost in last place at number four. The number three spot is taken by Glenn Beck, and it's called Agenda 21. Here's the synopsis. A girl begins to question the authorities who run the Republic, a totalitarian successor to the United States created by the UN. David Baldacci won't be forgotten. His book, The Forgotten, is number two. And finally, Notorious 19 by Janet Ivanovich is number one with a bullet. The same bullet that killed Biggie Smalls. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. God damn it. I don't know what it's like to live in Skip Skip Papersley's head, but god damn it, that stuff is hilarious. (laughs) I really like the number one with a bullet part. Biggie Smalls. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Twitter fiction. Here's what I was thinking when I was listening to Book News just now. Um, we have one of those really like bad weeks where we can't find anything we want to read and we just hate the world. We just review some Twitter stuff. Just talk about like yeah, tweets we we've three seen. Or four of the, three or four of those Twitter stories. I mean, how long could it take us to read and review those? Oh, I don't know. It's gonna be a short episode. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes. Yeah, that's fine with me. I'll do it. I, I'll, <laughs> I agree to pretty much anything these days. <laughs> this is true. That's what I like about you. Speaking of which, ladies, can I just tell you that? Um, Lit Reactor posted something that, again, was a huge surprise to me. I believe this was uh, last Friday, maybe a few days ago. Rob, are you familiar with Trapped in the Closet? Um, uh, Peripherally, I know it's an R. Kelly thing, and it's some sort of weird... Like, Here's what I know of it, and I I, I could be wrong about parts of it, but essentially, he did... like It's a musical thing, but he's telling a story, and... and, um, it's like ridiculous and i know south park made fun of it and that's pretty much all i know all right well okay to be fair south park making fun of something it doesn't necessarily mean that the original subject they make fun of everything so i want to say that i I don't know r kelly as a musician from anybody else i really if you put on a so i couldn't tell you with any with any certainty that it was r kelly or not but this trapped in the closet is goddamn genius it has got to be one of the funniest goddamn things I have ever seen in my life. I've watched all 22 episodes several times. As a matter of fact, when this news came out, I went back and watched the first snippet. It's like four or six minutes or whatever. Laughed my ass off. Now, 
I'm not sure that it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> but I will say this. There are 10 more episodes coming out, which excites me like you wouldn't believe. That's uh, not all, though, right? Right, because people are probably wondering why I'm talking yeah, about why would you like talk YouTube about videos. Yeah, exactly. R. Kelly. <laughs> R. Kelly now has plans for a book. Uh, a book essentially uh, encapsulating the Trapped in the Closet story, but as a print version instead of a weird, rappy, singy thing, right? We are so going to review this book when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Well, we'll like we did Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, we've reviewed some, like we reviewed Patterson. So we'll go there with stuff that we typically wouldn't read. Um, the big question always shows up then is who's going to guest host that episode? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we, <laughs> who would make sense to bring on for that episode? Oh, we are going to take volunteers for this one. I don't have any specifics on when it's coming out. But, guys, if you're interested in, in reviewing R. Kelly, Trapped in the Closet, definitely shoot us an email. Hit us up on Facebook or whatever. Um, <laughs> that <didn't> hurt, <laughs> genius. I do want to read to you the quote from R. Kelly about – so there's a, a book and a Broadway musical version, which um, – I may, may prompt me to go to New York. I may have to go there just to see this, but here's what he has to say. I know where Chuck was before he met Rufus. I know what was happening before they actually met. I know what happened with Bridget and the midget and everybody else's situation. So I feel like the fans have supported Trapped in the Closet. So I feel like it's time to introduce them to these people before what they saw. It's the prequel meeting the sequel. You'll get to find out a lot of things a lot of things you did don't know and or that you can't know unless you read the book or unless I tell you. So I decided to do a book on it. Uh, I, this is going to be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, we're going there. Uh, and then it says with another 85 chapters to come. I don't even know what that means, but I'm so excited about it. So thank you, Lit Reactor. You made my day Wow. when I read that. Wow. Yep. Should I? Um, I? I guess I'll have to watch these trapped in the closet videos huh you should there uh, i'm pretty sure you can find them all on youtube um there's 22 and they're like four minutes each it's probably like an hour and a half worth i mean you'll get the gist if you just watch two or three of them but i'm telling you that you would think that it gets old after six or seven of them nope <laughs> <laughs> it is quality all the way through and all right all right um, all right i'm down i'm doing this cool. i'm strapped I'm in so excited this is happening Do, is there a release date no, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna do a little more research into it, but no, Lit Reactor did not have a release date. Um, but I can tell you that that it's that week, man. When it drops, we're we're there. Isn't R. Kelly like a Chicago native? Like he is. Maybe we can get him to come on and talk about this. I don't see how we wouldn't. We'll just reach out to our Chicago peeps, hook up with R. That's Kelly a, somehow. That would be awesome. Get, maybe we could have oh, him review his own book with us. Yeah, and maybe he could write us into one of the chapters. Uh, we'd be like the two token white guys. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess is that is it. Either way, if he writes us into a chapter, yeah, that would be pretty cool. There's there's lots of African Americans and trapped in the closet. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm all right. That's cool. I'll go. I'll, I'll yeah. I'm down. I'm I'm locked. I'm locked in. We're gonna do this. This is so exciting. <laughs> <clears throat> this is like this is me building clout for like getting other weird shit onto the podcast right now like if so now bjork's gonna come out with a book and i'm gonna make livia's read it 
Uh, yep, I think that's a fair trade. All right, what else we got? Um, let's see, what else do we have? This came to us via David James Keaton, longtime friend of the show. Uh, there is a website that is talking. All right, so it's called the Tree Book. Um, tree book the treebook.com is the website. Um, they're doing some very very interesting things with ebooks. And Livius read this, so he knows a little bit more about me. So we're going to get started, and then we'll, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's so confusing for me. I almost skipped over this because tree book didn't sound very exciting to me. Does that sound exciting to you? Tree no, book? that's why I skimmed it and moved on. The tree tree T R E stands for timed reading experience ebook. So I'm going to read to you a little bit from their webpage here. I'm going to read you something really boring, then I'm going to tell you how this is going to be really cool. To describe it, let's use the obvious metaphor, a tree. A tree has a main body of development, the truck, trunk, <laughs> setting the foundation for every path it must take to reach its fullest potential. These paths are the branches which sprout new life each season. Okay, Before you go on, dumb. I got to um, body of development, I stopped reading. <laughs> okay. Here's, uh, I'm going to give you kind of the short version. Here's where it got really, really interesting. There are numerous ways that this book can actually change while you're reading it, and they use time triggers. So, for example, average reading pace would be a time trigger. This tracks each reader's average reading pace. The ARP is different for everyone. This is why reading a tree book is not about how fast you read, but about how you read. So, in instant mode, this is a time element that enacts instantly it could be triggered when the clock strikes a specific time when a reader is enjoying the book on a specific date or when the reader turns to a specific page or for a number of other reasons so this book can change based on when you're reading it or how you're reading it one example they give later in, in as a, another version is that let's say that um, your protagonist has five minutes in the book to catch a bus the book tracks how how you quickly you read so it actually kind of like time stamps how long it takes you to read a page not necessarily how long you know in between sittings but while you're actually sitting and reading and for example if you don't continue to read for five minutes the protagonist doesn't catch the bus so something else happens in the story which could be bad or it could be good but it's going to be different than what happens if you sat there and read for that five minutes sounds interesting it sounds really like it could be really, really cool. It sounds like they already have um, a few books slated for release next year. Um, they're not very specific. It says early next year. One drawback for um, a lot of people. Um, initially, it's only going to be available on the iPad. Hey. Which is great for people who have an iPad. Um, we will review one of these books when it comes out, right? Yes. Yes, so I will I will make an iDevice available to myself to read this, and uh, we're definitely going to review one of these. I'm very intrigued. We've talked pretty much the entire time we've been doing a podcast about possibilities of eBooks and what could be done with them. We've guests have talked about it. This is really interesting stuff. There's an app that you'll have to download, and that's where you read it. So it won't be available through a, you know Kindle app or, or iBooks or whatever. You'll have to. You download what I'm assuming is going to be a free app with purchase, but that's uh, it's going to be some really interesting stuff there. I think. Here's my initial thought. This is like the the um, the cynic in me is that so like you have to plan for contingencies of like different things that can happen based on how the person's reading now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of work, right? For the writer, you mean? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So you're essentially, instead of writing one continuous story, you're writing a story that has a ridiculous amount of like potential other outcomes. So it's like a, it's like, I'm just wondering if it's going to be worth the effort. Like, is the experience going to be so much better that it will be worth all the time that was put into it? And then is the cost going to be different because of all the extra effort that goes into it? Um, so are you saying cost from a reader standpoint? Yeah, like, I mean, obviously it's going to be more work. So are they going to charge more for it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting question because, yeah, I mean, you could ask yourself and say, so, okay, we um, we recently reviewed Daniel Lewski's book, right? Yeah. We paid what felt like an unfair price in the Kindle edition. Yes. Not bad in the iPad edition. Um, and, yeah, there was some more work that went into it. I don't know if these books will be $40 or not. Yeah. The, the other thing is, and this is not to be... I don't know, this is going to sound really bad, I guess, but we know plenty of great writers who aren't getting paid at all. Yeah, that's true. So on the flip side, even selling these things for 15 bucks a piece um, could mean a great writer's getting his work out there, even though there is more work to be done in the branches of the tree book. Um, sounds so hippie. Um, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying, though? Yeah. So, I mean, there's we know plenty of great writers who aren't making a nickel off of anything. So that's it could true. be an interesting way for them to, uh, you know, to, to get their stuff out there. Yeah, and the other thing is, I guess I could see collaboration being more of a something. So instead of one person writing, I mean, someone could write the main crux of the story, but then other people could contribute to some of the alternatives and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's got a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential built into that. The other thing is they could be very short. So they could be, did you ever read Choose Your Own Adventure when you were a kid? When I was a child, I did, yes. Yeah. So those stories didn't add up to a whole lot, but you did have branches where you made decisions and it took you on different paths. So it could be that the whole thing adds up to a 300-page book, but any given story is only, you know, between 60 and 80, maybe, depending on which way you yeah, go. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's it's definitely a cool idea. And, I mean, let's face it, how much new stuff do you get in fiction anymore? I mean, everything's kind of been done already, right? So anytime there's something that's really fresh and new, it deserves a deserves a look. Yeah, that's yeah, and any kind of innovation or, or change or or you know whatever to try and go a different direction in in this medium is is welcome and should be explored because you can only go so far like as with print books you can only go so far with what you can do um, and especially I mean people need to try other stuff. There's a lot of opportunities. Um, to, to go in different directions and, and build value into something in a different way. So I encourage it. I'm just a little bit kind of curious about what it's going to end up like. Yeah. Two things. This type of innovation could lead me to buy a, an iPad. Um, the other thing is I wonder, we talked about being work. It might be work for us. We may have to figure out a way to purposely take some different directions. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. We might have to like understanding the rules of how the book works specifically plan for different reading experiences so that mm-hmm. we can contrast that you know right yeah so that so it'll be interesting yeah i mean some of it is it and apparently it's based on what the author does so there are things that you know we talked about real time and average reading pace and instant mode you know it could just be that something happens if you happen to be reading the book at two in the afternoon and i guess there's really no way to know right until you're reading it yeah until so you do it be very interesting to see what what comes up hmm. as far as that goes yeah, weird, weird stuff. 
like we were talking about interactive books too and like um i'm still interested to see you know a book where you could have a photo slideshow or like a video clip built right into one of the pages and stuff so uh, yeah i'm looking forward to being able to check this kind of stuff out did I ever mention, and this is really bad because this wasn't planned for us to talk about this, so I don't remember what it's called. There was a book I read a couple of years ago um, that had web links, where by web links, I mean I read it in a paper book version, mm-hmm. but at the you know particular chapters, you were encouraged to go to the website and watch videos. Yeah. And it, was, uh, it was by the creator of CSI, and I yeah. can't remember what the dark something or another, but that was kind of cool because they talk about like they brought in a witness you know, that they were going to question. And you can go to the website and actually watch a video of a guy being, you know, interrogated by the police or whatever. So, right. So um, that was kind of interesting. Um, I will say it did suck because I wasn't always reading somewhere where I had access to the internet. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's, um, <laughs> so either you stop well, reading or you continue yeah, without was, it. Yeah, this was like pre-smartphone, or maybe I had a just a, a BlackBerry and I couldn't watch these videos on their website or something. But it's like I'd, I'd get home and be like, "All right, I gotta watch these four videos." Like I'd have to write down the page numbers, like page twenty-eight you know, <laughs> told me what link to go to, you know, and I'd watch a bunch of them. So, but I mean, yeah, if you're on an iPad and as long as you've got Wi-Fi or some type of tethering, um, you know, on the go, being able to see stuff like that would be very, very cool. Yep. All right. I'm gonna bring up enough talk about the future. Let's talk about what's going on with Booked. Yeah, we're, uh, in, in case you haven't heard yet, we haven't made a big enough deal about it, we're publishing a book. A anthology, a collection of short stories. And before, a couple episodes back, we told you some of the names of authors that were going to be in the book, and we've got a few more to go over tonight because we've added, we've, we've locked a few more people in. This is pretty exciting. It is very exciting. Um, did you want to do the honors? All right, I'm going to kick it off. We've got uh, first name on our list here is definitely a name you've heard before. Uh, he's been on our show for uh, the Warm to Bounce uh, uh, sessions back in the day. We had him reading live at Noir at the Bar that we recorded back in February earlier this year. And uh, we reviewed his book in our Shit Authors Say review where we reviewed two books. Uh, a little while back. So his book, Flashover, Gordon Highland, uh, is, is going to have a story in our anthology. Um, so we've known Gordon forever, had him on the show. We've hung out with him. Uh, he's definitely a big friend of the podcast and very happy to have his... The thing I like about the way Gordon writes is uh, he's got such a like an intellectual... I don't know. It's snarky, but very... like overly wordy in an intellectual way but in a way that's fun if that makes sense it's kind of like the style the thing that i like about his style is when he gets really wordy and and intellectual yeah there's no doubt gordon's a great writer and we're very lucky to have him um in our anthology can i just tell you i know we haven't revealed any of the the title names but uh bokeh i don't know if that's how you pronounce it B-O-K-E-H is, uh, is the name of his story, which is a very, very cool name for a short story. Yep, and it's one of those that makes sense in the context of the story, so mm-hmm. very cool. Who's next? Do you, do you want to tell people what that actually means? I don't remember, I but... Swore at him in Chinese? <laughs> no? Okay, all right. <laughs> Who's next? Um, uh, another Warmed and Bound uh, veteran, Warmed and Bound session veteran, uh, who appeared uh, in his interview episode number 29. We also reviewed a novella by him. Way, way early on in episode 13, we reviewed A Light to Star by um, Axel Tayari um, joining the anthology, which we're very excited about. 
Did you happen to notice him and uh, someone else talking about uh, how he should write a story about on Facebook the other day? Mm-hmm. And, and it, yes, I did. It had seemed kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway. I did. You know what else Axel Tyre was part of that wasn't on the that isn't actually part of the podcast? A, a really drunken phone call <laughs> from from L.A. Um, from from the uh, the L.A. Uh, trip that Book took. Yeah, kind of love that Axel. Yeah, he. Uh, we I don't know who whose inspiration it was, but at one point we were just like sloppy drunk and decided to start skyping all of our international friends. So I think Mlaz got a little Skype action from us and and Axel. It was a lot of fun talking to Axel. Um, I, I'm going to not take credit for whose idea it was to call people in the middle of the night. Probably mine. We called Sean Ferguson, uh, too, because we love him. We did, and it was the middle of the night when it was. <laughs> and so. I remember specifically apologizing for waking him up. <laughs> yeah, so, any rate, Axel Tayari in the anthology. That's right. Uh, and the final name we're going to give you tonight, another Warmed and Bound. It's a Warmed and Bound trifecta. Uh <laughs> For for people who are announcing tonight, uh, micro fiction, flash fiction, kind of master. Uh, we had him on for Warmed and Bound. We had him on as a guest host for our zombie extravaganza with Amanda Gowan, um, and we reviewed his collection Cienfuegos. Uh, Chris Deal sent us a story in Chris Deal fashion. It's one of the shorter stories in the book, but I just love the way that that guy writes emotional stuff. Um, you know, uh, very heavy, heartbreaking kind of stuff, and uh, glad we could get a, a story from him into the into our into our anthology. We imposed a word count only to force him to write something that's more than hundred words <laughs> yeah. if he wanted it. That was it. That was the whole decision. Like we were doing, we were like, should we have a minimum length? We're like, no. And I was like, you know, Chris Deal's eligible <laughs> to be in this thing. The hell with that guy. We're gonna make him put down like you know three thousand words. Yeah. So we wanted mm-hmm. we wanted Chris's story to be longer than the introduction or his about the author so <laughs> it's his is longer his story is longer than all of cien fuegos yeah yeah for sure so <laughs> right glad to have chris aboard so uh gordon highland axel tayari chris deal totally totally stoked about this locked down so we've revealed nine names now uh of the anthology and all i'm gonna say is there's a long list still to go so um, keep checking back. We'll be talking more about it in upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Can I just say right now, special thanks to Pela Via, who's been hard at work in the editing process. She is. She's she's knocking it out. She's knocking them down. She is. So we're very lucky to have her on board with this project too. And special thanks to all the people who have contributed and who are mm-hmm. going to be in the uh, anthology. Really looking forward to uh, the names that we're revealing. There's a lot of really cool people. We're really, really close to, I think, another two or three. By next episode, we'll have another three or four. Yeah, by next episode, Mm -hmm. by my count, um, easily three, if not four. Next episode, that's a good thing we should talk about and tease a little bit. Yeah, what's going on next episode? We had so much success doing the three author interviews back in July that we're going to do it all again. So here's the deal. We're not telling you who they are. All we're going to say is that we're going to have three interviews, three authors next episode. Yep. Now, you'll remember we had uh, Todd Brown, Pelavia, and um, Nikki, Gerling. Nikki Gerling. Yeah, all on. And, you know, 20, 25 minutes each, and we just kind of knocked through what they were doing. Um, wildly successful. It was kind of a gamble for us because usually we like to give, you know, 
give one topic at a time or maybe pile, you know, a little, not, not really split the, the interest so much, but, uh, it worked out really well. So, um, we're doing it again. It's a kind of a, a prelude to, to next year where we promise to do more author interviews. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to be next year. We're just going to ramp it up. It's going to be booked on steroids, not actual steroids. Like I'm not going to be inject. You're not going to have to hear any like roid rage on the microphone. But um, please, I'll have an excuse for getting real angry then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Livius's mild mood swing or wild mood swings will be at least uh, it will be at least justified when we're on God air. Damn right, yeah. roid rage. That's that's what I'm promising. More interviews, more steroids, more back knee. Yep. So I don't even know what you just said. I just totally agreed with it. <laughs> All right. Are, are, are we about good to go here? Oh, I think we're good to go. All right. Uh, next up, come back for some author interviews. Uh, maybe we'll reveal some more names that are going to be in the anthology. And Livius will tell you what kind of stories he's on. Until next time, I'm Livius Nedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Seven o'clock in the morning and the rays from the sun wakes me. I'm stretching and yawning in a bed that don't belong to me. Then a voice yells, good morning, darling, from the bathroom. Then she comes out and kisses me, and to my surprise, she ain't you. Now I've got this dumb look on my face, like, what have I done? How could I be so stupid to be have laid here till the morning sun? I lost the track of time. Oh, what was on my mind? From the club went to a home. Didn't plan to stay that long. Here I am, quickly trying to put on clothes searching for my car keys trying to get on about the door then she's dressed her hands in front of it said you can't go this way looked at her like she was crazy said woman move out my way I said I got a wife at home she said please don't go out there lady I've got to get home she said her husband was coming up the stairs sure sure quiet hurry up and get in the closet she said don't you make a sound or some shit is going down I said why don't I just go out the window yes except for one thing we on the fifth floor shit think shit think shit quick put me in the closet and now i'm in this darkest closet trying to figure out just how i'm gonna get my crazy ass about this house then he walks in and yells i'm home she says honey i'm in the room he walks in there with a smile on his face saying honey i've been missing you she hops all over him and says i've cooked and ran your bed for her Telling you now this girl's so good that she deserves an Oscar. Throws her in the bed and starts to snatching her clothes off. I'm in the closet like, man, what the f*** is going on? Not gonna believe it, but things get deeper as the story goes on. Next thing you know, a call comes through on my cell phone. I tried my best to quickly put it on vibrate. But from the way he acted, I could tell it was too late. Hopped up and said, there's a mystery going on and I'm gonna solve it. And I'm like, God, please don't let this man open this closet. He walks in the bathroom and looks behind the door. She says, baby, come back to bed. He says, bitch, say no more. He pulls back the shower curtain while she's biting her nails. Then he walks back to the room. Right now I'm sweating like hell. Checks under the bed. 